Hello and welcome to Power and Motor Yacht Podcast. This is Shane Scott, Senior Editor of Power and Motor Yacht Magazine. And today with me is Matthew Hernandez. Now, Matthew Hernandez is a Wellington, Florida local who lost connection with his father during the Hurricane Ian storm. And so uh, not having heard back from him in several hours, at one point, you know, his father over on Pine Island, he got worried that perhaps he wasn't even alive. And so this is a story about how Matthew Hernandez and a few brave friends ventured across this storm to Pine Island to find his father. So tell me, what was the situation for you know you and your dad, even like before Hurricane Ian, that ended up in this position where you had to go and do what you did? Yeah. So um, so my folks live in Pine Island, um, which obviously got you know hit pretty hard by that storm. It was pretty much ground zero for when it when it uh, where the storm came on. And I live over in uh, in Palm Beach County, so I'm on the opposite side of the state. And so it's funny because we he, he was actually supposed to come to the Dolphins game with me the, that weekend. And uh, he's like, hey, man, the storm is coming uh, towards this area. And uh, I got to clean up some things at the house. I can't come. He's like, I, I, he felt bad because we had like, this whole thing planned out. And uh, so he cleaned up some stuff around the house. And then you know, that, obviously that was Sunday. And then the storm um, hit landfall on Wednesday. I believe it was Wednesday. And, um, you know, I was in communication with him during the day when the storm was getting ready to make landfall. Uh, I was kind of tracking it here at the house. And thankfully my mom was actually visiting my sister in Indiana. So she wasn't home with him. So we were kind of, there's like a three-way communication where we were talking with my mom and sister and then my dad. And, you know, throughout the day, as the storm kept getting closer, he's like, Hey, the, you know, winds are picking up, you know, the, the seas are, are rising. And then I lost communication with him right around like two o'clock in the afternoon. Um, and right before that, he was like, Hey man, he's like, water's coming into the house. Um, you know, like he's like, it's literally, the water's all the way up through the backyard and the front yard, like the front yard's gone. I can't see it. And the water's now coming into the house and they have a single story home, but thank God they actually have a two-story garage. that has like a, like a loft on the, on the second floor. And so as it started coming in the house, I could kind of hear the the panic in his voice of like, Hey, this is legit. And so I was like, Hey, just make sure you get to higher ground. Like he has a, they have a dog. So I was like, grab, grab Naya, grab the dog, get a couple of things that I, and I had told him already before. And like, make sure you stack up the things that you'll need in that loft in case you got to get out. Cause we heard storm surge, although we've never really seen storm surge like that, at least not that I've been aware of, but I knew, you know, that's what causes all the damage. I was like, grab the documents, make sure it's in the safe, you know, move some things to the, to the loft to get him out. And um, so when we lost contact with him about two o'clock, uh, you know, I had that uneasy, uneasy feeling. I knew once that happened, that the towers would be down for quite a while. And I didn't know when we would hear from him. And then, you know, just seeing the devastation on the news and seeing how bad the water was rising in Fort Myers Beach, where most of the cameras were, for me, I was like, I just need to make sure that he's he's still with us kind of thing. Yeah, I imagine that must have been pretty nerve wracking to, to just kind of wait that out. Yeah, for sure. Wow. So, okay, so it was 2 p.m. when it kind of like you're, you're, you lost contact with them. So where, where from that till, you know, you decide to, to make a move to do something? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I have a military background. I was in the army for a number of years. Right. So I kind of have that background. Um, I have a couple of buddies that I grew up with that live in the area and these guys are like avid outdoorsmen, right? They're, they're hunters, they're fishers, um, fishermen. They, a couple of them are firefighters. I mean, so they, they, they're always there to help people. Um, one of the guys works for CETO and he, he's like, uh, he's the big hunter. And so these guys are always helping people in kind of austere conditions and they're used to being in the elements. And they also have, you know, some of the, I was like the internal, fortitude to go do things that are kind of tough. So I was in conversation with these guys like, Hey, they're like, how's your dad? How's your family? And I was like, Hey, I haven't heard from him. Like, I'm pretty sure we lost contact and I don't know what the situation is on the ground, but I know how bad that area could be. 
And as we heard like, Hey, the bridge is out. Um, I was like, man, now, now I don't know how long it'll take for anybody to go out there to, to, to check on them. And so, um, you know, I, my parents have been there for the 12 to 13 years now. And so I know the waters, they have a, he had a, uh, a 22 foot pathfinder. He had just kind of switched that boat out for a, a 23 foot, uh, Boston whaler. And so I know the waterways there pretty good. And there's only one bridge to get on that Island. And so I knew there'd be debris in the water. We kind of heard that in the news anyways. And so I said, we, we shouldn't take a flats boat there. We got to take flat metal bottom boats, right? So we got to take some John boats. Um, thankfully my buddies had, we had two of them. Um, so we didn't actually end up in communication. Like what's the plan? I was like, I don't really know what the plan is. I don't know how close we can get. They live at the very Southern tip of Pine Island, which is about seven miles from the middle. They're literally, I mean, it's a long Island. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I don't know if it makes sense for us to try to put it in Fort Myers beach. I don't know what Fort Myers beach looks like or Fort Myers. Um, I don't know what Cape Coral looks like. And I don't know if we can get into the marinas up on the, on the, more on the Pine Island side, right before you get over there. So we kind of went with a half big plan. And so the, the plan was like, let's take these boats that we know we can kind of maneuver in water that we, that may have debris, but I don't know where we're going to be able to put in at and how easy it will be or how difficult it'll be for us to get in the water uh, and then navigate over to where he's at. But by the time that night fell, we had a plan of like, Hey, here's, who's going to come, come with us. There's five of us in total. I basically just told my boss at work, like, Hey, I'm, I'm out for the next couple of days. Like I need to go check on my family. And I went on like a supply run to go make sure we had some gas and some tools and some basic food and water and some clothes and some first aid supplies. And then, um, kind of made the plan. One of my buddies was on duty from the fire department. So once he got off duty, we met at his house, packed up the coolers, all the stuff that we had. Um, and then we, we took off with two trucks and two boats over to the West coast to try to find our way through <laughs> where we could put the water, we put the boat in. Huh. So you guys had two boats, there's two crews. There's five of you, two crews, two still boats, flat bottom. Okay. And and where was it that you guys ended up, you know, taking off from? So there's a place um, in Fort Myers, and I'm going to give you the name here in one second. I've actually, I've never been down there. And to get there, we we had to get through. I mean, thank God we had some to trucks that drive through, but like the water, even the street then um, was about three and a half, four feet uh, in height. So, I mean, we were driving through some pretty heavily flooded areas. I mean, there was cars that were like... <laughs> At this point, there were cars that were, you know, stalled out. They were trying to drive through it. There were cars all over the side of the road. I mean, where do you, your people just bailed or the cars just got moved with the, with the flood water. I will tell you this, though. I was highly impressed with the, the way that we actually got in. It took us about an hour to drive through Fort Myers, just Fort Myers alone, to get where we needed to be. But the, the I forgot what they call the crews, but they basically had moved all the trees out of the one the, the roads that we actually were able to take. McGregor Boulevard is what we took for most of the way down. And they had already like pushed all the trees off to the side. So you could actually drive through. And so, I mean, I was, I was thoroughly impressed with how easy, easy it was. It took a while, but easy, easier than I thought it was to get to this area in Fort Myers beach. And the cool part was um, that uh, one of the guys on our crew knew some folks over there. He did a little bit of a recon. like, Hey, I think you can put it in this area. If you can make it, it's worth giving it a shot. I think that'll be your, your best bet to get over to Pine Island. So he actually did a little bit of recon for us to help us get to where we actually ended up putting in. So we put in at a uh, bunchy beach. There's a preserve, like a little kayak uh, spot where you can drop little small boats. And we ended up putting in there. Um, and it was a seven and a half mile trek from there to where my parents' house is. Okay. So walk me through that. What was it like when you guys launched that seven and a half miles? So we, when we got there and the thing is like, there's a lot of unknowns, right? The unknown was I've never taken that route before. I've definitely never done it in a John boat you know, part of that's open water until you get under the Sanibel Causeway. It was white capping out there, which is also uh, interesting. And then, you know, we didn't know 
what was open or what wasn't open. I was told by a bunch of people like, Hey, you can't get there. They won't let you like law enforcement won't let you there. But in my mind, I was like, I'm not taking no for an answer. I'm going to go anyways and ask for permission or at least just say like, Hey, you know, we only have good intentions. So when we, we went to put in first at the Bunchy Beach Preserve, which is just the open ocean. um, That was a pretty rough area to try to carry the boats. Like even the road there had washed out. So we backed up, we found another spot to put in where like the kayaks were. As we started to load the boats, we're like, hey, it might be too heavy in case we need to take him out of there or bring him and the dog or maybe somebody off that's hurt. So we lightened the load a little bit. And then by the time we took off, it was so late in the day that I was worried about getting there. I was like, maybe we need to stay the night and try to come back the next day. We weren't sure. Um, we also weren't sure how long it would take us to get there. The The, the challenging thing was we didn't have a, like a large horsepower. We had two John boats, right? One of them had a mud motor um, that had two guys on it. The other one was a 16 foot um, John boat, a little bit older. <laughs> And we only had a, a, an eight horse on that. So it wasn't moving very fast. Plus we had it loaded down. So it took us about two hours to get there. The, the interesting thing was because the white caps and that motor, you know, wasn't very big. We were taking on water for a good portion of the, of the ride over there. So we literally were bailing water while we were kind of moving. And, uh, you know, and so the white caps made it quite challenging and difficult to cross that, that terrain or that kind of water. And we were there, you know, going on for two hours to get to where we needed to get to because of the weight the the water and the wind and um and just the size of the boat and and the motor that we had on at that time so was it was it just water from around you or was it was it raining into the boat and the whole was it just flooding in all different ways yeah no I, I don't, by the time we got there the it wasn't raining uh it was just still windy from as the storm was moving across the state um we were catching kind of the, the tailwinds but no rain thank goodness so i think that just what kicked up more of the of the sea and uh was, was the, the the tailwinds from that the, the, the ride back after we got there was the, was the most interesting part. Cause we like the gas can that we had, that was connected to the, um, to the motor disconnected. Right. And so we lost power to the motor for a minute and it happened to happen right as we were getting back underneath the Sanibel Causeway and like the sun is setting. So we told the guys in the, in the mud motor, like, go ahead and, and find the point where we put in at because GPS wasn't working. We had a handheld, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't the greatest. And so we didn't know exactly if we would be able to find it easily and it's getting dark. And again, we've never put it in there before. So, um, so our, the motor, <laughs> the motor shuts off and we're right by the causeway with the currents ripping. And so we had some oars in the boat, but you, you can't steer out of that. So we tried to paddle out for a second. I was like, we're not paddling out of this. We just need to steer the boat to where it doesn't, uh, it doesn't pin us on the side against one of these pylons and we flip. Um, so we just steered the boat to where we could actually go through the pylons, clear it. And then we got the motor started back up. But at one point I was like, if we, if we, uh, if we flip this boat, like now we're, you know, we're going to be, uh, in need of rescue potentially. And, you know, these crews should be helping people on the Island, not guys that are going to try to help. Um, thank, thankfully we, <laughs> it didn't happen. So we steered out of it. We got the motor started back up and then we got back literally as we came in, like the, uh, the mangroves on the way back, the sun had it set when we, we knew where we were. So we got back in right as, uh, right as daylight was gone across the, uh, the horizon. Was there any other close calls along the way when you, when you headed out there? It sounds like it was, I mean, you see, look at all the photos and the, and the videos. I mean, people got tossed up by that. So, I mean, was, was there any, any close calls for you guys? Yeah. I mean, even, even taking, once we got into, um, into the, the, the Pine Island area with the boats, we, uh, I mean, there's, there's so much debris in the water. Like we hit, we hit like this massive, like cattle gate. I don't even know where it came from. Um, when we first came into my parents' canal, I mean, there's a channel and there's a canal that bre- that breaks off into four, you know, four different streets, I guess. So there's four canals that it kind of connects. And even in the entryway, we hit this massive cattle gate. And right before that, the storm had moved the channel. So like 
where you normally would come in at. And when, again, we're, you know, we're in flat bottom boats. Like there doesn't take on, uh, it's barely like an inch or two in the water. Right. Um, but when we came in at, it was, it wasn't high, uh, it was going down. So high tithing was in the morning. And so like we, we barely got over the top of the, of the sand where it had moved the channel. So coming in there and there was just so much debris in the water, of the canal where they actually live. So that part's a little hairy. I think the most challenging part was just crossing the, the open ocean um, for the first couple of miles of trying to get out just because of, again, we were taking on water. If we weren't bailing water while we were going, we would have, I mean, that boat would have probably sank or we would have had to bail and um, jump out and swim to the, to the, to the side um, of the bank. So that was probably like the most challenging. And then when we finally got there, I mean, that place was just a, a wreck. I mean, as you can imagine, like there were, there were cars in the water, there were boats on land, like there were in people's yards. So, I mean, like the reverse of what you think would, you know, how we left it the last time I saw it, it was kind of the opposite where you had boats in people's front yards. You had some structures were completely ripped off and removed. Uh, you know, I've been up and down that canal a number of times over the last decade plus, and it was almost hard to recognize. Man, how, how was that seeing it? How was that when you first came in and you saw that? I just devastating. I mean, Pine Island is kind of, they call it like the blue collar, the blue collar Island, you know, Sandoval, it has a lot of recognition. Um, and then Sandoval is a beautiful place and has a lot of really nice things there. But Pine Island for the longest time, it has like specific rules where you can't build these large hotels. And so it's, it's a couple of small motels and then just people that they call it the blue, the blue collar working, working Island. I mean, it's a wonderful place. My parents have loved living there and I love uh, visiting them. Um, so seeing the devastation is, is pretty heartbreaking. And I think, you know, the, I would say more people live there full time than, than have a vacation home there. And so, you know, my folks live there full time. And so the folks that lost the majority of what they own is that's a sad part. I mean, unless it was hanging on a wall or was up in a closet, there was so much water in the house that all of it's gone. And so, you know, the, everything that they own has been reduced to like a small subsection of a, of a storage garage where we've kind of saved a few things that were, that were kind of important and that were kind of hung up on the wall. Everything else needs to be replaced. You're talking about your your parents' house right now. Yeah. Wow. So what did it look like when you came in? So the water, I mean, water, their house is about eight or nine feet off the off the, the water level. Um, and they had uh, waist high water inside the house that was sitting, right? So, I mean, as the water comes in, it, you know, splashed up. And they also had a lot of wind damage too, where it was coming uh, coming in into the ceiling and from the roof. But I mean, it, it, lo- it looked, basically all the soot and all the, all the, the muck from the bottom of the canals, you know, it's got oil and, and gas and diesel in there. That was what was all over the house and in the floor on the floor. So basically like take that stuff off the ground and throw it inside the house. That's what it looked like. And so I mean, like all the, the couches were thrown and moved. Like the furniture was, was, was moved. Like anything that was on the ground waist high had been submerged in that salt water. So just tremendous devastation. You know, everything was like, and, and, and not for nothing, but like when that water comes in, it's not like, it's just slowly rising. Like it's coming in with force. And so, you know, like furniture was knocked over. I mean, tables were, were, were messed up. And then everything obviously that had touched water was, was destroyed, you know, over the next couple weeks. And even till now, we slowly started kind of gutting the house little by little, but at, I think at the the last week and a half, uh, you know, they finally had insurance folks come in and realize the amount of additional damage that was done by the wind and the water from the rain that they've had. To, they just got the entire house. So we demoed the whole house. I mean, all the drywalls out, all the walls out, the, um, insulation is gone. All the furniture is gone. All the cabinets are gone. I mean, the floors have been ripped up. Everything is, it's going to be a complete rebuild. Wow. It's just down to the, the bones, huh? Yeah, literally. I mean, even like think about the wiring, right? Cause the, all that wiring was under salt water. That's got to go too. So yeah, basically just the foundation, the exterior walls, and then the, the studs inside the house. Wow. So when you, when you finally got there, tell me what happened. What was that like? 
when we pulled up, I could see a couple of the neighbors had stayed too. I didn't know that they did when we were coming on the canal. My parents lived towards the end. So that gave me some relief. And then when we got to my parents' house, you know, we pulled the boats up. I jumped out and then kind of went through the house and just started calling his name and I didn't hear him at first. And then he was, he was digging inside the garage. I think he was trying to figure out what was, what was still salvageable. And then he was like, Hey, what are you, you know, what are you doing here? And I was like, what do you mean? What am I doing? I told you I would come check on you. He goes, I know, but I didn't realize you'd be here so soon. And I was like, I wanted to make sure you were, you were alive, man. Like I, you know, I was worried about you, mom and Kate and our sister were worried about you. And so was everybody else. You know, the funny thing about my, my old man is he, he was a fire, um, firefighter and a paramedic in the city of Hialeah, which is down in, in Miami-Dade County for a long time, but he also worked on the FEMA and urban search and rescue teams. And he was like on that team in Florida at the inception when FEMA built these teams back in the early nineties. And he, so he did that. He retired. He also have, he has a small business where he teaches FEMA urban search and rescue guys and gals on what to do and how to, how to enter environments like what he was in, but he's never been in the storm. So he's always come in after the storm. I mean, he was hurricane Andrew, Katrina, nine 11, um, Haiti, like all these different disasters have happened across the, the world, the U S mostly natural and man-made. He would come in after and be there for weeks at a time, helping to find survivors and to help people, um, get the support they need, but he never actually lived through one of them. So I think he was just a little bit of shell shock of like, Hey, now I'm that person that needs to come get rescued. And I think the funny thing, as I told him, I was like, make sure you tell all your guys, like we beat them here. The, the, they were doing their work. Right. But they were, there was such a big area. Um, it's not a knock on any means by the urban search and rescue teams. I think the response has been tremendous and there's just, but there was just so much damage because the storm was so big. Um, and it hurt so many people and where my parents live is such a remote area. If you lose the bridge to get in, which the bridge, entire bridge washed out of Pine Island, there was no way to get there, but by boat. And I knew where to go. And I had my laser focus on one person was my, my old man. We got there, but I was like, Hey, just tell him like your, your, your boy and all his, his buddies got there first. Uh, but it was just, it was just relief, right. To see him and hug him and, and know he was there. And then I, I, and my crazy thought was like, Hey, maybe we can get you out of here. Like, let's get you out of here. Well, I'll bring you back, you know, in a week. He's like, yeah, he's like, are you kidding me? I'm not leaving my, you know, I'm, I'm here and we need to go through and find out what we can keep. And my neighbors are here. He's like, I'm, we're not, I'm not leaving. You know, and then he put on his, his, his rescue Manhattan. I mean, he, he had even treated a few of the wounded from like the neighborhood by the time we had gotten there. He has, you know, he had a massive, uh, trailer of supplies that he used to, for his teaching his classes. And he was treating some of the, the folks on the Island, um, because rescue hadn't, hadn't gotten there yet. Wow. So he was already going to work. So, I mean, when, when you come in, are, are the roads are washed? Is every, everything's just covered with water. So when we came in, the water had subsided for the most part, mm-hmm. um, it, w- it was still higher than, than normal, but there was no, I guess the good thing about being on an Island like that is when the water comes up and it, and the storm surge happens when it, when it resides, on the island, there's no, there's nowhere for it to sit. And because like they literally have water right in back of them and, and the other part of the bay is like two streets down. It doesn't sit like it would like in a suburban area, right? So if you're in Cape Coral or, down, or, or downtown Fort Myers, like the water comes in and it has a lot of areas to kind of sit. There's nowhere for that water to sit where they live. So it did its destruction, but it kind of resided by the time we got there. I was pleasantly surprised that we didn't walk in with, you know, like four, four three or four feet of water. I mean, everything was still soaked, but it wasn't like it was sitting you know, a couple of feet high. Mm-hmm. So did you guys help your, your dad at all while you were there? Or what, what was yeah, it next before taking off? We dropped some supplies. So we had brought, you know, we brought gas, we brought food, we brought water. 
um, some clothes and I brought them some supply, like hygiene kits and then some medical supplies. And then, you know, like battery chargers and, and uh, some like camp lights and, and things that they could use because I knew power would be out for a long time. We helped him somehow like the refrigerator tipped over. So we helped him like some major furniture, just trying to make it upright so we could salvage what was in the freezer. We helped move some like major furniture pieces. We got there so late that we, we didn't have a lot of time. And, and unfortunately, one of the guys had to go back to, to on duty the next day. So we hadn't played next day to stay. Um, but we got a list of what they needed, helped move a couple of the major pieces of furniture out of the way for them. And then I was like, Hey, I'll be back in, in a day with a bigger boat right now that I knew the waterways. I was like, I'm going to try to come in a different way. We'll bring a flats boat. We can load it down. And so we, we took off. Um, so we were there for about an hour and a half. We helped a couple of neighbors move some things too. And I was like, I'll bring more people, a bigger boat and more supplies. And we'll be here sooner so we can help for a longer period of time. You know, that made the, the main goal of that trip was really just proof of life. Um, and to see if he'd let me take him out, but I, in hindsight, I should have known better. <laughs> well, so, and you said, so that the most dangerous part was the way back, but you did it. We did you it. Yeah. Back. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, it was, it was like, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've served overseas, right. So I've been in a war zone kind of environment and it was, it was really weird because in one, we could see the destruction. We had to go underneath the Sanibel Causeway. So we could see the causeway was down. The, the bridge was, was destroyed on the beginning part of where there's, there's three bridges there in between the second and third bridge. There was a washout. It's like you could almost drive a boat through it. That's how bad it was. And then the other two bridges were also damaged. But we're coming under it. I mean, you had Coast Guard, Rotary Wing, and Fixed Wing, right? So you had their helicopters and their planes flying over. You had National Guard in both Blackhawks and Chinooks, right? So they looked different too. I mean, they were literally just flying all over the place. They were flying on Pine Island. They were flying over Sanibel. And you have two guys, you know, two small John boats driving across. We passed a couple different... I think it was Lee County Sheriff's boats, um, some Coast Guard boats. And they were kind of like looking at us. And I think they were like, what are you guys doing? When they saw we had, you know, and, and actually this is probably the first time I've ever worn a life jacket on a boat as an adult, as an adult, <laughs> other than like on a white rider rafting. Um, but we had them on because we didn't know how bad the water was going to be, what we would hit. And frankly, we didn't want to get stopped. And so, I mean, they looked at us kind of like, hey, you know, good luck. But, <laughs> and then just kept on going. Um, but yeah, the most dangerous part on, was on the way back for sure. The, the way that current was ripping, it was pushing us really fast. If we didn't have turned the boat the right way, it would have, it would have slid us in the pile and would have flipped that boat easy. So that would have been the the rough part. And then you know if you're in that kind of current, um, we can all swim really well, but you know you, that's when it gets a little bit hairy. And then the boat that we were with, you know, our friends, they don't have, uh, they weren't that boat wasn't big enough to bring three guys on. So that was probably the the most dangerous part of the of the trip. But I think the whole thing in total was a little bit of you know of a risk for sure. Yeah, definitely. I think the question I didn't even ask you which is, is, is definitely resounding is how did you convince four other people this was a good idea? Yeah. I mean, it's one of those, the funny thing is the, like I mentioned, my, the, the guys that went with me, um, I've known, I've known three of them, you know, since I was playing little league ball, like when I was 10 or 10 or 11. Right. So I've known them for 20 plus years. Uh, and the other guy that came with us is this, you know, he's, he's the avid outdoorsman and he's been a close friend of ours for a while. He also had, he had the motors that we needed to use. And he also, um, not to get too personal, he lost his old man a couple of years ago. Actually, I think it was about a year and a half ago. And so <clears throat> when we were talking like, hey, Matt wanted to go, make sure his dad is okay. I think that resonated with him like a lot. He's like, hey, he's like, I don't care. I'm down. Let's go. And so I think it was just one of those things like those guys are so loyal to, to me and my family. We've been through a lot of things with my family. And these guys have always been there. We had some, some tragedy happen when I was actually deployed in Afghanistan these guys stepped up to the plate when I wasn't able to get uh, until I could get home. 
Um, and so it's, it's been a nonstop thing where these guys are just, they're loyal to the end and, and vice versa. Like they know, uh, you know, I would, I would help them and do anything I could to help them and their families too. And so it's just that unique bond of loyalty that they were all in when I asked, you know, for help and a hand, they were like, we'll come with you. That's amazing. So I guess let's fast forward to, you know, what happened after you guys got back, you said you were going to return with a bigger boat and help out more. Has, has that been something you've done? Yeah, we, we went back the very next, uh, let's see. So we were there Thursday morning. That was the first trip on the John boats. We went back on Saturday. Um, and the cool thing was some of my dad's urban search and rescue buddies at that point, had gotten a hold of me. They're like, Hey, we were coming to help. What, how can we meet up with you? Um, and so it was, again, it was a group of my friends. Now it was a group of my, my dad's friends. Uh, I hadn't seen them in a long time, but I had known them from the past when I was a little bit, you know, like in high school. And so we meet at the boat ramp. We put in at um, Burnt Store Marina. So we put in at that uh, at that boat ramp. We have my buddy's flats boat, and we we had this thing loaded down like over a thousand pounds. And we had fifty gallons of fuel. We had two generators. We had giant like Rubbermaid boxes of food, Gatorade, water, um, more supplies, tarps. They asked for like a um, like a jump starter so they could try to see if they could jump the cars and get them get them running again most of them were destroyed completely so they, they didn't start but we brought that too and so we went out uh, on saturday went all the way down there the tricky part there is i've never taken that route from it's, it's called through the matlache pass it's a little bit of a, a hairy um ride so i mean most of the west coast over there is is flats right that's why most people have flats boats there there's certain areas where you want to be um certain areas you don't want to be unless it's high tide and the thing about that storm it was it was so big it moved some of the channels and it literally broke and snapped off a lot of the channel markers. And so even when we were trying to go down there, one, I'd never been on that route from Burnstone Marina down through the Matlache pass. The funny thing I joked to my, my, my dad's never been on that route. He's like, Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to risk it. Cause I don't want to get, I don't want to run aground. So a guy that's lived there for 12 years has never taken that route. We always talked about it, but we never did it. And here we are taking it cause we don't really have an option. Um, and so we're, we're going this route. And the thing is where we put in at, we drive right through where, um, the, uh, the road and the bridge washed out to get to Pine Island. Uh, and I mean, the destruction there is like they were, there was restaurants and, and houses on both sides. And then you had the road right before the bridge. Um, and all of it was gone. All you could see was the pilings on the bottom and it was just washed out. So I mean, the destruction we saw coming in that, that day was tremendous. Um, and then as we're going, you, you have law enforcement, so you have, you know, game wardens that are on airboats that are driving through. And they're literally just rescuing and pe- picking people up. There's like a pickup spot where those that could drive, maybe their cars weren't damaged. They have like a place where you could pick them up and they were just doing nonstop rescues. So, you know, we, again, we saw Coast Guard, we saw Lee County Sheriff's boats. The game wardens are out there because they have, you know, the, the shallow boats too. They were, they, again, using air boats. Um, and so we take off on this trek. It's like a, I think about like a 12 or 13 mile run to get to where my parents' house was. We, we did run aground once. Again, because we were the the channels moved a little bit, and you know we didn't have any um, any tracks with my buddy's boat. He's never been out west out there. And then at one point, we kind of stopped, and we we're trying to figure out where the channel markers were because we saw like they were they were gone, and it literally had snapped off, and so you can't see them. And uh, and the Lee County Sheriff's boat kind of comes up by us, and then he stops and turns around. And you know we we again we kept hearing like, hey, you can't get down there. It's, you're not allowed to go down there. They're going to stop you if you don't live there. Yada yada. And uh, he turns around. I'm like, oh, man, we're going to get in trouble now. We're halfway down. You know, he's going to say something. Um, and he pulls up. He's like, hey, what are you, where are you guys going? And I was like, we're trying to get to St. James City, Paradise Canals, where my parents live. He's like, you know how to get there? And I was like, oh, we've never been through this route. He goes, all right, I'll slow down. Follow me. Um, so he takes us and escorts us all the way down. 
And then when we get right before the canal, he's like, um, he's like, Hey, thanks guys for coming out to help. Really appreciate you guys. Turns out like he's from the same, like he grew up in the same area that I live in right now. And it was just one more example where we, we saw law enforcement we saw first responders that were like thankful and, and glad other people were coming to help. Cause there's so much need. Um, so we get in there and, uh, right before we get to the canal, uh, into the canal again, the, 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 the water has moved the channel. And so we literally, we basically run aground trying to get into the canal. So we, I get out of the boat, we push the boat back. We walk, we, we walk around, we use the trolling motor to kind of go around where it was and, uh, where, where the, the, it was blocked off. There's like one little small path. Um, so we end up going through there and again, you know, I've been in that canal, I don't know how many times, but the water moved, moved all the sand. And so it, it wasn't the same area yet. You, you had to adjust. Um, but we used a trolling motor to kind of weave our way through and then get in. Um, there was more debris in the water this time. Um, but again, thankfully we kind of had been there and then knew what to look out for, uh, came in and had all the supplies now. And we had, you know, a, a bigger crew of people and we also had more gear. And so when we came in that time, um, we dropped the generators off. We kind of got that set up and then we went house to house. I mean, we, we helped get most of the furniture out of my parents' house. We started ripping drywall out at that point, waist high. Then we kind of went to each of the other neighbor's house to move some of the beds and some of the uh, dressers and some of the couches out of their houses because the stuff is waterlogged and whatever it weighed before, now it's double it. And so we helped both my parents' neighbors. There's some older ladies down the street that had, it was just two older ladies in the house. We helped them move some of their furniture. And so uh, it was kind of just walking up and down the street to make sure everybody had what they needed taken care of. Awesome. So I'm gonna, I was going to ask, so your dad... When you, I guess when you found him the first time and even the second time, each time he's just up in this loft, just waiting for the water to go down. So the, the, by the time we, um, by the time we got there the first time, he, I don't know, I think he had, he had been staying in the neighbor's house. So the cool thing about Pine Island is well, number one, just the people there, generally speaking, they're, they're good hearted people. And I think the folks that live there and that stayed through the storm now have this galvanized relationship. They've been through some things together. But the other beautiful part is too, is that there are some folks that have vacation homes there. One of them happens to be my, the folks that live next to my parents' house. Uh, they were not there and they have a two-story house that's on stilts. And so the top of their, their second story house didn't get really, they got some water damage from the water coming into the ceiling. Um, but it wasn't the storm surge that ruined, you know, everyone else's homes. And so they, um, they got in touch with my dad gave him the code of the house. And so he was basically staying in there. He's actually been in there, you know, for the last couple of weeks, actually. Oh, wow. He's been, he's been in, he's been staying there. That family has now actually even come down. of like, Hey, we're coming down to help. Like, so it, their house wasn't really that badly damaged, but they came down to help their neighbors, my parents included, and to make sure everything was being taken care of. And so, I mean, the amount of support and help that's come in has been, has been insane. That's amazing. It's great to hear. It's inspiring to hear that a whole city or a whole town could, uh, could ship in for each other, make sure everybody is doing okay. Not a doubt. Um, do you feel like you learned anything from from this experience? Um, I mean, I hope <laughs> I hope he's learned that maybe the next time what something like this happens to get out. I think, I think, you know, I, th- he, I think he wanted. You know, this is the house that they live in. And it's kind of the only thing that they. It's what they own, right? Like my, my my dad's a first generation. Actually, I'm the first generation. My dad was born in in, uh, in Cuba and came over. So like he takes a lot of pride in what he has, what he owns. And they have, you know, they have a beautiful, they had a beautiful place there. I'm sure they will rebuild, but he wanted to kind of protect what he had. And, and frankly, like you don't protect anything when storm surge comes, there's nothing you can do. But I think he, I think he realizes probably now that there were so many people worried about him and his well being, and there's nothing you can do. I mean, you, you pack up what you can and then you, 
you come back afterwards. So I think maybe he learned some things. I think for me, it's just the validation of the the guys that I love and trust that were there when I needed them. And then also just like how helpful the, the rest of that community was. You know, when you go through adversity with people, it can either break you or it can make you. And like, I think it really galvanized the the relationships that they have and that on um, just on the block that they that they live on. There's good people. My my parents have been there for a while and know the know the folks, but now the the families have been through a lot together. And so I think just seeing them come together and like the the good silver lining out of the of a of a storm and the devastation of something like Hurricane Ian has has brought out there's some good stories that will come out of this, I think. Yeah, it's awesome. So then now the plan is just to, to rebuild, huh? Yeah, I think we're trying to figure out um what the plan is. I mean, they they do want to stay, they do want to rebuild. The question is, do we try to find a way to either go higher so that this doesn't happen again? And so there's, I mean, there's companies out there that can literally lift your home. <laughs> um, they, they're out of Louisiana. So we've actually had one or two come by to, to check that out. Um, or do we try to, you know, build on top or do we knock it down completely and try to go with a two story with, you know, with stilts on the bottom. So I think we're just trying to figure out how do we, how do we stay where, keep the home where it is, but, but um, the plan of how we actually make that work is kind of up in the air. Hmm. I'm assuming that's an issue for a lot of the people in the area. Yeah, I can only I, I can only imagine. I mean, I know I'm sure there are some folks that will just kind of rebuild as is where it is, but my parents don't plan on leaving. And you know, we always talk like, hey, we want this to be part of like we're, you know, we're we all vacation as a family. Um, you know, so my sister and her family and, and mine can come together and spend time. And then, you know, even after my parents pass, you know, whatever that may be like a, like a leave behind that is like a legacy. Cause it's, you know, it's a beautiful home or it was a beautiful home and it's in a beautiful area. Um, and we love Pine Island. So we want it to be somewhere that we can, you know, we can, uh, we can use for a long time. And so, um, we'll rebuild it just kind of up in the air on how that's going to look like. Hmm. Well, Matt, it's a wonderful story and, uh, you know, sounds like a friendship community, uh, perseverance. And I thank you for telling it to us. And I hope that, uh, hope that a lot of people can learn from it. Yeah. Thank you, Matt. Happy to tell. Thanks, Shane. Thank you for listening to the Power Motor Yacht Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do us a favor and leave us a review or rating. Or you can share us with your friends on social media or on the VHF. Anywhere you spread the word means a lot to us. Thanks again. And until next time, we'll see you on the water.